Yeah, you're right. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk nice and slowly. Okay. No. All right. Check this out. Here we go with this podcast. Oh yeah, it's podcast season, y'all. But here we go. This podcast is called True Story, bro. I picked that amazing name. Uh, I know you guys can make a name like that. Who can make a name like that, Paul? Not no, not, not Naya. Naya. She out in the hallway laughing because she's, you know. But anyways, here we go, guys. Our podcast will include me, Paul, and Naya. You know what I'm saying? Let's get right into it. So what are we going to be talking about today, you might ask. I know, it's, I know it's what you're thinking. But what we're going <laughs> to be talking about today is we're going to be taking a look at the scenes from our life in Negroland and how it tells the story of people of color as Americans both then and now. The Scenes from Negroland is a collection of stories from the eyes of people of color. There are five scenes in particular in which we focus on. The first scene focuses on the separation of races and the standards within each race as the family are upper class people but middle class Americans. The second scene is about both the generalizations within each race and how people are always attacking other people though they have the same motive to do better for themselves. Scene three focuses on the romanticism around being of a different racial background than the one you actually are. The fourth scene is about the mixed person and how they receive no racial privilege from their races. The fifth scene is about the lack of respect for esteemed African Americans and how they will always be seen as lowlifes. <laughs> oh, here we go. Alright, so we're going to be talking about black privilege and white privilege. So the first one we'll hit on is black privilege. So in this book, the theme of black privilege is shown basically when like, if you were black and you were for a black person, that, that's like, <laughs> that's like that. Cause they'd be ashamed. They're kind of like ashamed of each other. So like, it was kind of like shown like in the eye of the third world that Paul was talking about where if you're like to some black people, like a rich black person is upper class, like to African Americans, but in like the real, like in America, with, like that was I put air quotes on that. I know you can't see it. <laughs> I put I put air quotes on America, but in like in like America, like they're just like middle class normal people, and that was just like amazing to me because it just really like opened up like that third world. That had air quotes on it too. That third world part. That had air quotes on it. So like the third world that they were living in, that was like crazy. So basically, back on back on black privilege, like I I noticed that hair that was like a repetitive thing. And then like back on back to what I said about the third world, a quote from the book, I mean the poem, whatever this is, scenes from Negro Land. Story. Story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're considered upper class Negroes and middle class Americans, mother says. But of course, most people just consider us more Negroes. And that's just emphasis, like, right there on being black. Like, that's like, it's like a struggle. Okay. <clears throat> now, white privilege, this also ties in the book. This could also tie to, like, even modern day. Like, have, like we saw the type of examples, even, like, over quarantine. It's still right now. That's, it's been, it's a forever thing. Don't, don't misquote me. It's a forever thing. You, get, you know what I'm saying? So, anyways, anyways, we see white privilege and how, like, when they go to New York, the New York they were in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they were in New York and how, like, they were treated differently just because of their skin color, like, discriminated, like, discriminated against. And they were treated and seen as less, but, like, if they had been, like, white, they probably would have been treated differently. And then even with the white girls in the neighborhood, like, they didn't want to hang out with, like, the black the black girls, right? That's right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a big thing. And then... Bro, I'm having a mind blank right now. 
I ain't gonna lie. Also, what's it called? Black black people versus black people, like being our own worst enemies, was also a theme in the story, where a direct quote to to make a direct quote for this example is Negroes like that made it hard for the rest of us. They held us back. We got punished for bad behavior, and that's basically just like thinking you're above somebody, you know, just because they're like same skin color, but just like they don't don't have as much as you do. So like black, it wasn't like black on black crime, but it was like black on black hatred. I don't even know why I included that. I'm just talking. Anyways, that's all podcasters. You literally just said <laughs> be quiet. Don't interrupt me. Okay, which is better, white privilege or black privilege? What is it? You asking me this? I'm asking, I'm asking either of you. That's a t- that's a good question, yo. Should I go first? Go first. Go for it. I think that, like, if you had a choice, white privilege is better because, a, you have like more power over like, not air quotes around power, around like other races, and you're just seen as more esteemed. Like, I'd rather be like white and rich rather than black and rich because like if you're black and rich so many people will question like how you got your money and like you'll have other black people just like trying to attack you and then you'll have white people trying to attack you because they think like you're trying to like steal part of their world and yeah i kind of agree with that i mean as unfortunate as it is i do think it's white privilege but yeah like you said you know, you have a rich white person, a rich black person, they're obviously going to look at the rich white person as higher up and almost like the white person is looking down on the black person. Just That's a societal norm, and, it, you know, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I would also agree with the white privilege, but even going in deeper to that, I feel like even resources and, like, like your starting point has a big, a big factor in, like, how, like, let's just say a child can turn out, like, black versus white, like, know where they're living at where they're starting from and like i think that's like that ties into white privilege too i feel like yeah that makes sense I do agree. your tummy been feeling empty recently while listening to our podcast or have you been extra hungry well let me tell you jimmy john's can fill your tummy up and satisfy your hunger they've got delicious subs with meats like roast beef turkey and much more Go to your local Jimmy John's today to get your sub and satisfy your hunger. Jimmy John's is trash. Keep Subway. Firehouse. When you take a second look at the narrative, you can find the motif of the American dream being portrayed as just doing better than what you had previously. The American dream is shown in a negative light here because they all want to be something that they cannot. In the scenes from A Life in Negroland, this can be seen multiple times, but specifically when the family tried to go on a vacation to New York. They talk about how they were disrespected by all the white people in the hotel and how they tried to change their room, even though they were like fairly successful and pretty rich, which just shows that no matter how successful you can be, uh, the American dream is just not tangible because the U.S. isn't like a unified nation that doesn't push each other towards success. We're known for tearing each other down. And another dream that everyone in the Scenes from a Life of Negroland have is to change their ethnicity to be more unique. And anytime they take one step forward to reach that goal, they just realize it's intangible because you can't change the race that you were born. The talk of like this American dream parallels to Gatsby's American dream because he had an inability to obtain his version as well, which was Daisy. The American dream is unrealistic for everyone and that I personally think the American dream is dead because the U.S. is not a melting pot of nations 
which it was painted to be, and we don't push one another towards success. We're still separated and attack another for every little thing. What do you guys think? That was deep. That was I felt that. I'm thirsty. <laughs> I kind of agree with that. I don't feel like, I feel like it's kind of dead. I don't feel like the U.S. is more open to, you know, like immigrants becoming something in America or immigrants like coming to America to pursue the American dream. I think it's just more like Americans trying to be, I don't really know how to word it, but I don't feel like it's as open to immigrants being like able to come here and start something. Yeah, I feel you. It's more like, it's like the dream, it's not really like a dream. Like it's more like if it's a dream and you have to like change who you are and like fit in like a certain like, you know, group, group section, system, whatever. Like it's already like fixed kind of, if that makes sense. So it's like if you can't come as you are, then like what kind of dream is that? Like, yeah. You know, I agree with that. And I mean, even in like the source, it like talks about like the different groupings and the different stereotypes like within each group. And how, like, everything is still so separated, even though it's, like, painted to the public to be, like, one just true group. Yeah, but it's been a nation divided forever, I feel like. Yeah, like, it's historically. Yeah, it's always been division. Yeah. Have you ever been sitting at home and you're like, man, my feet hurt. I wish my feet weren't so hurt. Anyways, if you ever have foot pain, buy the Chris brand. You know, my new shoes dropping, uh... February 40th, 2022. What are the uh, shoes like, Chris? Huh? What are the shoes like? They get rid of foot fungus <laughs> and foot pain and foot sweat. Are they off-brand LeBron's? No, they, there is a never-before-seen des- design. Like, I remember New Balance, they wanted to sign me, but I said, nope, I'm not signing with you. What colors they come in? All the colors. All Any the colors? Color color. Every color? Yep, beige. Yeah. Even oh. beige. Gotta get like tie dye. Even tie dye, yeah. Okay. Yep. All That's right. it. How much they cost? They're five hundred bucks a pair. Oh, you wanna make bank? Yeah, that's a reasonable price. I feel like. <laughs> Bro, I'm so confused. What are we even talking about right now? Uh, so right now we're talking about the underlying similarities between black and white people and how this narrative kind of highlights it and how it causes uh, animosity between the two groups. So basically, in our story, both groups of people desire to be better. And there's a quote that says, here was an unexpected similarity between people and whites, the slightly desperate need to believe we had Indian blood, or at least recreational kinship rights, which is basically just saying that both groups of people are somewhat unified in the wanting, in the desire to want to be something else. And uh, this can also be seen in the story uh, Huck Finn, when both Huck and Jim escaped to find better for themselves, uh, both So the question is whether these underlying similarities cause more tension or if it um, creates a sense of unity. And in my opinion, uh, I believe the underlying similarities highlighted cause tension between white people and black people. The main reason for that is racism is still rooted in society today and when the two both desire to be better, I feel like the rooted racism causes the majority of white people to look almost like look down upon black people despite the similarities. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that, especially because it's so tense because there's only like so much room at the top and how like everyone has the same goals to be like 
successful. I mean, everyone has their own version of being successful, but everyone wants to be successful. And there's only like so much to go around, especially when it comes to like jobs and money and everything. So just like any normal competition would, it makes them like butt heads and it makes them look at their differences because they don't ever want to be seen as similar to one another. What? What do you think, Chris? About what? Do you think the similarities between white people and black people cause tension or create a sense of unity? Oh yeah, I'd say it's where it causes like more tension because it's just like just you know even like historically it's always been tension between like, like our two races and especially now with like job opportunities and stuff and there's like only so much to go around like Naya said so it's kind of yeah like, I, like from, a, from like a competitive standpoint and a racial standpoint it's like a lot of tension have you ever been eating during listening to our podcast and suddenly your mouth gets super super dry and you need something to quench your thirst well I'm here to tell you Coca-Cola is the perfect drink to quench your thirst. It's got a great cola taste that everybody loves, not like that trash Pepsi. Anyways, go to your uh, local Walmart to, to buy Coke can today and quench your thirst. Dude, they're both trash. So for the final topic in our podcast, we're going to talk about the symbolism behind Negroland and the scenes from the life of Negroland. Pretty much Negroland represents all of the generalization and stereotypes that were put into the black community as majority of the people in Negroland were poor, were obviously black, and they just had a lot of animosity towards one another, which ties in everything we've said during our podcast. And a quote from the scenes that just shows this, was talking about when the family went on vacation to New York and the clerk tried to get rid of their room and generalize them all together. He said, the clerk turned us into Mr. and Mrs. Negro Nobody with their Negro children from somewhere in Negroland. And it's pretty much just saying that like, they think that everyone in Negroland is the same when it's this actually diverse place and they have like their own class system and everything. So this stereotyping of black people is just what drives Negroland to what it is. And Negroland is pretty much what like the other races see, especially like in real life, like how they describe Negroland sort of like parallels to maybe like the hood. And it just like all shows the fact that they think all African Americans are the same when that's actually not the case. Today we talked about a whole lot of things, just like a whole lot of red. But anyways, today we talked about taking. We, today we took a look at the scenes from Life in Negro Land and how it tell, and how it told the story of people of color as Americans both in and out. We also talked about black versus white privilege and which is better, degradation by black people towards other black people in each role, in each person's role in society. We also talked about um, our story and summarized it. And we also talked about the similarities between black and white people and how this causes animosity. The last thing we talked about in our story was the reality behind the American dream and how in the scenes from A Life in Negroland, it was painted as very fake and intangible and more like a concept than an actual reality. And it said that the American dream was essentially being white because being white became an idea regardless of a race. So... Yeah. yeah Are we great. done? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Tune in next week to our podcast with your Chris Brands on, your Jimmy Johns, and your Coke can. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things, such as the NBA playing games and also things such as... Sports. Sports. Yep. You know, Jimmy Butler and the Heat going to the finals. Garbage. You're a Celtics fan. Bro. Go Celtics. Okay, bye, guys. They're not